0: I'm Jodie Nisnick and you're listening to so much more. In John 16:12, Jesus stated, "There is so much more I want to tell you." He then pointed to the Spirit as the one who would come, who would further his teaching by bringing His word to life for us. So much more creates space for God to reveal his truth through his word. Today, I'm excited to have Ruth Haley Barton with me to talk about the spiritual discipline of Sabbath. Ruth has spent over 20 years as a student, a practitioner, and a leader in the area of Christian spirituality and spiritual formation. She served on the staff of several churches before founding the Transforming Center. A ministry dedicated to creating space for God to strengthen the souls of leaders, equipping them to lead transforming communities. Ruth, I have followed your work uh, for years now. And in fact, when I was a baby pastor, which was like 13 <laughs> to 14 years ago, I felt like I was dying because I was living mm-hmm. at this unsustainable pace. Mm-hmm. And somebody stuck strengthening the soul of your leadership in my hands. Mm-hmm. And it literally saved me for ministry, helped me reorder yeah. my priorities so I could stay in the game. Um, now you've written a new book and it's called Embracing Rhythms of Work and Rest from Sabbath to Sabbatical and Back Again. And I imagine this book is going to have a similar impact on people mm-hmm. who read it because I know practicing Sabbath has been one of those life giving practices that has helped you stay in ministry for years mm-hmm. and So I'm excited to talk to you about that and just some of the ins and outs of Sabbath keeping. So Ruth, Mm. thank you so much for creating some space to be with us today. Oh, you're
1: welcome. Thanks for inviting me.
0: Well, I want to start with the beginning. So tell Mm. us a little bit about your Sabbath journey.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, I am a pastor's kid. And so we practiced Sabbath when I was a child, but in a very legalistic way. So I had uh kicked that practice to the curb, didn't love it, Um, was embracing many, many other practices, but actively resisting this one. But then in my early 40s, God sort of knocked me off my horse uh, through a biking accident. And during that time, I had friends who actually commented on my pace of life. Mm -hmm. One friend said, you know, Ruth, you did just get over, run over by a car. You could take a day off. (laughs) Like, am I really that bad? (laughs) But I did. I had gone right back to work as though nothing happened. Um, And I had been reading beautiful books about the Sabbath. And at, at that point, I was exhausted and tired enough to think that the Sabbath sounded really good. So something was shifting. And it was sort of a guilty pleasure where I would just read these beautiful books about Sabbath. But had this sort of deep seated belief that it wasn't possible for me, uh, mm-hmm. for you know, because I had a very busy family life with kids who were in sports and a husband whose place of business was open on Sundays, and I was uh, on pastoral staff at a church. So I couldn't even begin to figure out how Sabbath could work for us, but I let myself dream about it a little bit and be inspired by the fact that maybe a few other people were getting to have it. Um, mm-hmm. But at this point, when I got knocked off my horse, I think God really used it as an opening to help me to get even more in touch with my desire for such a thing, for such a rhythm, my need for it, my desperation. And it was during that time that I claimed my desire strong enough to say, I'm going to see if I can do this. Mm. Um, And so I began to attempt it. And I was um, kind of by myself in it at first. I just um, didn't feel like I. it was my job to convince anybody else that they needed to do it. My kids were teenagers by that time. And um, so I just started to practice myself. And I told people what I was doing um, and practiced it in a winsome way so that it hopefully didn't throw up any barriers. But I just didn't feel like it was my place to foist it on other people. But I did begin to practice for myself. And mm-hmm. so it certainly changed my life and it's kept me alive to this day and eventually Everybody in my family, one way or another, began to see Sunday as a very different kind of day and to enter into it out of love and desire versus, you know, legalism and things like that. So, yeah, I wish, you know, we I wish I could have started sooner when I might have been able to embed it more in our family when our family was young. But this is how God guided me. And it's really a beautiful thing Mm -hmm. to see it, it going on now in the next generations, but out of their own desire and need, not not because I forced them. Yeah.
0: I appreciate that your story starts with kind of the negative side of mm-hmm. Sabbath and what that mm-hmm. felt like to you as this mm-hmm. legalistic obligation to keep. And, um, because I think a lot of people have baggage mm-hmm. that way. Yeah, it's Sabbath so. feels like a lot of rules. Yeah. And, oh. We just don't need any more <laughs> expectations that we can't meet. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> um, So I love how you unpack Sabbath in a really gracious way. Um, and one of the things that you talk about is the theology of Sabbath. Mm-hmm. Um, Well, you talk about three things, the theology of Sabbath, creating a regular rhythm mm-hmm. of Sabbath, and how Sabbath needs to be practiced in community. Mm-hmm. You touched on just a little bit of those as you were talking about where it came from in your life, but tell me a little bit more about some of the theology of Sabbath and what are some of the things that you've learned Mm, about that?
1: Well, thank you for that question. I actually really do like talking about the theology (laughs) of it because it's really exciting when you dig into it. First of all, the fact that Sabbath um, begins with God. And I think that one of the ways that we can tend to dismiss the Sabbath is to say, oh, that's a Jewish thing. We don't have to do it. And so, of course, it means that we do need to go back into the Jewish history, and I will do that in a minute. But the first thing is to see that in Genesis, it was part of God's nature, it was part of God's practice to work six days and then cease on the seventh, that it it comes from God. This is a part of who God is. And what's so exciting about that is that, number one, of course, it means I can't dismiss it, but number two, it also means that when I'm practicing Sabbath, I'm actually participating in something of God's nature. And I love that idea that by practicing Sabbath, I am in some ways like God, you know, um, mm. doing something that God does, doing something that God thought was important enough for God to do it. I'm actually okay. participating with God in what God chooses. And so I find that to be thrilling, actually. Um, and I just mentioned also that the translation of the word Shabbat that we always translated as rest, but that God was not someone who needed rest because God's not limited like we are, but God ceased. And so the word ceased is also really important. We cease so that we can rest, but it's it's the idea of stopping doing what we typically do, and especially those things that have to do with having dominion, being fruitful, um, imposing our wills on the world. Those are the things that we stop on the Sabbath. So the first thing is that it emerges with God Secondly, um, to look into the Jewish history and to look into sort of the historical underpinnings and to see that, first of all, Sabbath was given to the Israelite people as a gift. It wasn't a command at first. It's, it, it is the fourth commandment, but it precedes the Ten Commandments. It was given as its own thing and it was given as a gift. Um, and it was given to an oppressed people people who were being driven by pharaohs and by ruthless taskmasters. And so the Sabbath for them was this gift of finally having some sense of agency over their own lives because when they were working for others, they didn't have the opportunity or the right to say, I'm not working today. So when Sabbath was first given, it must have been the most amazing thing to receive the gift of being able to rest one day a week when you had never had it before. Yeah. And so in the Israelite history, it's sign, symbol, and the lived reality of their liberation from oppression. So mm-hmm. in that way it's so much more than this soft discipline of, of mm-hmm. resting. It's actually a, a resisting, it's resisting mm-hmm. the forces of culture, the forces of empire, the forces of whatever it is that keeps us running on that treadmill of productivity and achievement and performance. So um, the fact that, you know, it's a gift that was given to the Israelites to deliver them to be a sign symbol and reality of their deliverance from oppression. Um, so those are, you know, some of the, the, the Old Testament ideas, but then it's also really exciting to me to look into the New Testament. Some people say, well, Jesus didn't teach on the Sabbath, so we don't have to practice it. I don't see it that way. I mean, I see that Jesus practiced the Sabbath. It was just assumed. He was a practicing Jew. And so he he practiced the Sabbath with his disciples. And there are so many times in the New Testament where it talks about Jesus participating in the Sabbath, being on the way to the synagogue or whatever. And what Jesus does do, though, Is that he does reframe the Sabbath to kind of rescue it from legalism. He says that humankind, that we were not, um, that the Sabbath, we were not made for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for Mm -hmm. us. Mm -hmm. And so that is an incredible nuance right there. That says gift, you know, it's not something that we're supposed to feel weighted, weighted down by and obligated to. It's actually for us and for our good and for our flourishing. So Jesus affirms it, but um, rescues it from some of the legalism that the Jewish people had found themselves, you know, entering into over time. Which is kind of what human beings do: we take these beautiful gifts and we make something legalistic out of it. So that's what had happened, and Jesus yeah. rescued it. The other thing that Jesus says is that He is Lord of the Sabbath, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. so that means that you know Jesus can really reframe it for us in our current culture and help us to know how to embrace it as part of our followership of Jesus. And I really like that idea, too, of the Sabbath being an aspect of our followership. It's one thing that we can do in following Jesus is to follow Jesus um, into his Sabbath practice and into the Sabbath practice itself. Um, And then, of course, it's an arc throughout Scripture from beginning to end. And so, of course, in the book of Hebrews chapter 4, there's also the verses that says that say that the rest of God is still available to us, and that if we don't enter in, we're act, we can actually become rebellious and disobedient mm. children, mm. but mm. that the promise of rest is still there for each and every one of us to enter into. So I don't see how we can kick Sabbath to the curb. I think part of what the writing of this book has done for me, and particularly the digging into the theology of it, is to. Elevate the Sabbath as one of the significant key spiritual practices that opens us to God's transforming work. A practice that does what all practices do, and that is that it, it opens us to something that we can't do for ourselves. We make mm-hmm. ourselves available. God comes in and God does God's work. Um, and Sabbath is, you know, right up there with you know, the most significant disciplines. And I think for myself anyway, mm-hmm. it's the kingpin of a life well lived in God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's beautiful. I've heard that
0: argument that Jesus didn't restate that mm-hmm. commandment, and I love how you unpack that—that mm-hmm. he he didn't have to restate it; it That's was right. assumed.
1: Yes, because nobody was kicking any of the Ten it. Commandments to the curb at that point, right? Nobody right. thought that Jesus had to articulate every ten, every one of the commandments again to make it real, right? And just because he didn't say anything. Well, he did say a lot about it, Mm
0: -hmm. but even though he didn't say you have to do this, he didn't Mm -hmm. say stop doing it either. I love that you bring that point up Mm -hmm. as well. So yeah, yeah, beautiful. Thank you for unpacking that for us. Well, let's talk a little bit about how Mm -hmm. we do this. So it is a gift offered to us, and that's such a wonderful way to look at this, even when you just said it again, when you quoted the Sabbath has been created for us, not Mm -hmm. us for the Sabbath. And that just implies gift. It's something God wants to give to us. So give us some practical, how do we shape this Mm -hmm. gift so that it
1: feels like a gift? Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Well, the Sabbath, I think, is ordered around three elements, uh, rest, worship, and delight. And so whatever we choose to do uh, needs to fit into one of those categories. Um, And I think the delight one in particular is one that I like to call out because the biblical author in Isaiah actually uses the word delight as it has to do with the Sabbath. And so there's this invitation, you know, to cease, to stop, to unplug from our life in our work. Um, not because work is bad, but because the rhythms are good. And so I really make that point in the book too, that it, that work is not better than rest and rest is not better than work. It's the rhythm between the two that's so good and beautiful. Um, And so on this day, we're in the part of the rhythm where we're unplugging from our work, ceasing our work, and um, filling the time that would have been spent on our work with these three um, elements—worship, rest, and delight. And so many of us think about the practice of worship, I guess, as part of our Sabbath practice, but unfortunately, some of us have reduced the Sabbath— to being about going to church, which it's not. And Ron Rolheiser makes that point very clearly in his uh, forward to the book. Um, because I think sometimes we think, well, if I've gone to church, I've done the Sabbath. Well, nothing could be farther from the truth, you know, uh-huh. Um, because worship is a part of it. But it's not the same thing as ceasing and delighting in those good gifts of God in our lives. So I do want to highlight the idea of delight, that we have this amazing invitation to be in touch with what delights us, body, mind, and soul, and then to choose those things, those things that delight us on that day. Um, The importance of rest, I think, though, is that even though many, many things are delightful in our lives, sometimes when we're exhausted, we can't experience anything as being delightful. And so I've had the experience many, many times of coming into Sabbath so tired that I couldn't delight in anything. All I could do is just kind of lay there but then eventually I start to get my energies back and I start to have a sense of what I'd like to do, something I'd like to do, and then I get to do it. And then eventually I start to feel gratitude that I got to do it and my heart is filled with the goodness of whatever it was that I chose. And then before long, I'm actually worshiping God as well. Um mm. And that's not, a, it's not corporate necessarily, but, you know. Worship is is not so much about the corporate nature of it. It's what our hearts are doing in relation to God. And so for me, there's this progression of resting so that I can delight in something, finding energy and strength to choose a couple of things that I actually do delight in, not escapist behaviors, which we often engage the rest of the week, but things that actually truly delight us and pour Mm -hmm. energy back into us. Then I start to feel grateful for the life that God has given to me. And I start to feel grateful for the opportunity and then finally, you know, my heart is turned towards God, giving God praise and worship for the good gifts of my life. So that's kind of how it goes in my experience. That's what the Sabbath is all about. Yeah, I love the clarification about escapist mm-hmm. and uh, joyful, mm-hmm.
0: you know, I- enjoyable activities because mm-hmm. I think you're right. Um, we pick up our phone to escape. Yeah. We play a game or we, there's a thousand things mm-hmm. we do. Well, <laughs> let's not even try and list them, yeah. that we do yeah. to escape just the stress of Mm -hmm. life. And the invitation is to actually do something delightful, Mm -hmm. something different, um, and do it at a different pace. I even love how you unpack, um, working in your garden Mm -hmm. is a, a, something you can actually delight in on the Sabbath. Some people might consider that work pulling weeds for some Mm -hmm. people is a terrible unlife giving Mm -hmm. (laughs) practice. And yet, um, and so that's why I I also appreciate that it's going to be a little different for all of us. Yeah. And yet I do think there are some good boundaries Mm -hmm. that you help us think through in the book on don't, mm, I think we can justify some things. We can. Mm -hmm. But I like looking at Facebook. Yeah, (laughs) that's right. (laughs) That's Mm -hmm. so life-giving to me. Mm -hmm. So I'm just going to do that for an hour here. Um, Talk a little bit about some of the wise boundaries Mm -hmm. you would encourage us to maybe lay aside some things for the purpose Mm -hmm. of entering into the space with a different rhythm and a different mindfulness.
1: It's um, really important to think about what we're going to exclude on the Sabbath so that we have the time and the space for those beautiful aspects of Sabbath. So we do exclude work. We set that aside. And so that does mean that we have to be really discerning about what constitutes work for me. Mm. Um, Back to your point about gardening. Um, So we do need to figure out where is this coming from? Am I trying to have dominion right now or am I Mm. enjoying Mm. being here in God's presence? And oftentimes it's not going to be weeding as much as it's going to be like I save the flowers that I'm going to plant for the Sabbath because I just think it's the most beautiful thing in the world to put flowers into the ground. And I don't want to rush through it, you know, in the midst of a work week, I want to actually savor being there and doing this beautiful thing. Um, So we have to, you know, determine what's work for us. One of the things that I had to determine was that anything that happens on a computer is, is work for me. Uh, And I think for, you know, back then I was, I was aware of it because I'm a writer. And so opening up the computer puts me into that mode. But now I realize that probably everyone could consider opening up the computer, a part of their work, and that you're opening yourself up to your work and to a certain way of being. So now I would say it's not just for me, I would say for everyone being on being on the computer is probably not restful and it does leave us open to whatever might come in that somebody else might be sending into our lives at that point so yeah. um things have really changed since i started practicing sabbath and i might even be a little stronger on some of those things now um so discerning what is work for me and those are the things that i set aside on that day um, I also really encourage us to think about what gives us uh, mental stress and exhaustion. So what constitutes worry? Because worry is working hard with the mind. And so how do I set aside those things on the Sabbath that, that take me into a place of worry or competition or, um, stress and anxiety and things like that? And so I think in that category, we can think about what the different social media actually do to us internally, what they do to our minds, what they do to our souls. And watch that carefully and then make a determination. I personally think that anything that happens on social media is going to be stimulating in a way that we don't need and that doesn't help us to rest ourselves in God on the Sabbath. So I think the evidence that's coming out about what being on social media and being on screens does to our minds um I would probably be stronger now, and I do have a whole chapter in the book on unplugging from technology as part of Sabbath, um, because I don't think it, it rests us at the level of the mind. And we do need to think about rest for the body, rest for the mind, and rest for the soul. What rests my body, what rests my mind, and what rests my soul? And so s- unplugging from social media helps us to rest our minds from all the stimulation that's coming to us uh, throughout the rest of the days of the week. So I would put some boundaries there. And then um, I might also put some boundaries around um, even people that wear us out. You know, Um, I think we can be free on the Sabbath to consider, is this person a life-giving person for me or is this person an exhausting person for me? Um, And make our decisions accordingly based on that as well. And then um, the other thing that I think it's good for us to exclude or to withdraw from on the Sabbath is consumerism. Hmm. So, um, buying and selling and anything that sparks consumerism in us, um, if possible to get all that done and get everything ready for the Sabbath. So you don't have to enter into stores or be online or anything like that, because, you know, Amazon, any store that you go into any, any social media that you're on, you got ads coming in. So our world right now is, um, oriented around consumerism, everybody trying to get our attention, getting to convince us that something that they have is what we need. It's meant to disrupt our feeling of contentment and satisfaction with what we have. Going into any store is going to do that to you. Going Mm -hmm. onto any um, website is going to do Mm -hmm. that to you. And Mm -hmm. so to also uh, step away from anything that puts you in the position of being a consumer on that day where we can instead foster contentment with our lives just as Mm -hmm. they are and with what God has given to us and letting that be enough.
0: Mm, thank you. That's super helpful mm-hmm. and great, some great, wise boundaries. Mm-hmm. The question I was thinking about was, Oh man, when I was I had little people in the house, it just was mm-hmm. n- really hard to rest mm-hmm. the body <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. um and I know there's a lot of different circumstances that we all face, whether we're caring for Somebody that's just has a lot of high needs in that time Mm -hmm. or that season, or there's just, there's just some different circumstances that may mean we're in a season that just doesn't allow for the kind of
1: rest we're really longing for. What's your advice Mm -hmm. for someone in those seasons? Well, I actually include a whole chapter in this book on the seasons. And thank you for asking because one of the things that I've, I noticed about the books that I had read on the Sabbath is that hardly anyone dealt with the seasons of life. Yeah. And I really wanted to deal with Sabbath throughout the seasons of our lives in this book. And so, um, it's, it's interesting. My daughter, Charity, actually wrote this segment on, um, parenting and Sabbathing with young children. And, um, one of the things that she articulates that I think is so beautiful is that, one of the things that they noticed when I was having Sabbath and they weren't because I wasn't foisting it was that I brought a different quality of presence to the home and it made them want to be around more mm-hmm. on that day. Mm-hmm. So even though I wasn't requiring them to practice Sabbath, who I was was different. And so we've been th- talking a lot about the whole idea of a different kind of presence. So with young children, um, you know, Sabbath is a communal dif- discipline, which means that the idea is that you would practice it with those that you have in your life, your family, even if your children are young. Um, your church community, yes, of course. So, um, in, in the season where children are young, you might not be able to get the kind of rests and naps that you want, but you can bring a different quality of presence and you can, you can slow it down. And because you as a parent are not multitasking and trying to work while you're caring for your family, they're going to sense that. They're going to sense that they have your full attention versus the days when you're always on your phone and, and, you know, multitasking and trying to juggle everything. And so yeah. it can become a day where you're present with each other in a different way. And the kids start to know that. And they start to know that there will be some things that that you're going to delight in together. And it's going to be a more delightful experience of being a family today versus the days when mom and dad are so busy and so pressured that they're bringing a very stressed quality of life. So you can engage your whole family in planning what would be delightful for you as a family and see it as being an opportunity to be with each other differently than during the week. The other thing that I think can be so important is that, especially when the kids are really young, um, when we're during our normal weeks, the kid goes down for a nap and we're mopping the floor and running around doing laundry and cleaning the kitchen and all that sort of thing. On the Sabbath, if anybody rests, you rest. You know, you Mm -hmm. don't start washing the floor and doing laundry and all of that. When people rest, when babies take a nap, you take a nap. Uh, you lay on the couch and read your book in the sun. Um but because you, you're not working and so there's there should be no temptation at all eventually to fill that time with work but to rather take that little tiny moment that you get maybe it's just an hour but to have that be a really pleasurable thing that you choose to do. The other mm-hmm. thing we can work on too is ways of having a little bit of quiet in the you know quiet time in the house times when, when everybody knows you know some people are going to take naps some people are going to read books but there's going to be um a time when Hmm. we're going to be quiet and let each person choose something quiet, you know, that they would Mm. like to do Mm. even reading together in the same room, which is kind of sweet. And, you know, you put a fire in the fireplace and people sit and read their own books, but it doesn't have to be, you know, you don't have to like act like a camp director, you know, (laughs) 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 planning big activities all day. Right. (laughs) There can be quiet and and things like that. And then I would also say, if you are able to do some of the work of meal prep and stuff like that, um, ahead of time, then even the meal times can Mm -hmm. feel a little bit more restful than if you're preparing and then cleaning up and it makes it feel like it's the same day. Like you always have, you know, those are some things you can do to just switch it up and Mm -hmm. make it feel different, even though it's not going to be resting all day when you've got, you know, young people, young kids at home.
0: Right, uh, super helpful. Thank you for sharing all of those things. I I'm also thinking a lot of doesn't matter what phase of life we're in, we just have resistance mm-hmm. to this. And you yeah. even talked about Sabbath mm-hmm. as resistance. Uh, there's just something in us that thinks I mm-hmm. can't do everything I have to do. Yeah, right. If I take a whole day off, mm-hmm. which is a very mm, it's not a good way of thinking. I know that's true. And yet it's just so deeply ingrained in us because mm-hmm. we live in a world that doesn't even know how to take a moment down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But in, I'm I'm curious, tell us some of the fruit that you've seen encourage us mm-hmm. to take a step into Sabbath by some of the fruit you've seen in your life or in other people's lives, as you've made that step of resistance and mm-hmm. started to implant this rhythm into your life.
1: Well, you know, I know I'm not the only one who lives a very full life, and I can come to the end of the week sometimes and be so tired that I don't know if I'm ever going to be able to face my life again, Um, and and can be very discouraged at the end of weeks that are so full. Um, And what I've noticed is the Sabbath is just so amazing and, and that it, it just little by little by little by little as I stay faithful to the, and, and I'm, and I'm going to go out there and I'm going to say 24 hours because for me, that is what it takes. And I've had to work, I, you know, I've been practicing Sabbath for over 20 years now. So I've worked on this for a long time and it's, there's nothing about it that's simple or easy. Um, mm. and, and lives change and you have to think about it again and figure out what is it mm. going to look like now mm. in this current stage. Um, and you know, there were times when I was trying, but then I was cheating by saying, well, I'm just going to check email once so I can get a, get ahead of Monday. I mean, you know, I've done that sort of thing. We've all done that sort of thing. But eventually I began to see that I was actually cheating myself Mm -hmm. of the full benefits of the deep rest that just deepens throughout the day. And so it's a, it's a completely amazing thing to have ended a week feeling so wiped out, But then to practice Sabbath and to find myself when I come back into Monday morning, I'm back. You know, Mm. I have enthusiasm for my life. I have something to give people. I actually love my life Mm. and have and Mm. even anticipated getting back to it. I cannot tell you how that change happens. It's imperceptible throughout the day and throughout the 24 hours. But time and time again, I have seen it happen. And I will also say that there's just a different quality of presence with the people in my life, too, both during the Sabbath, but also coming out of the Sabbath. I'm just a better person, um, more satisfied with my life, more delighted um, in God's gifts to me. There's another aspect of Sabbath that I do address in the book that um, we don't talk about very, very much, but you know, on the Sabbath, you're also devoid of your distractions, which also means that some mm-hmm. of the more painful yeah. aspects of your life can come to the surface as well. Yeah. Because you're undefended. You're not defended by all your distractions. And so I try to give people a little bit of preparation for that as well. And that um sometimes Sabbath involves some grieving and being present to the hard aspects of life and trusting that if you go there, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted, that if you go there, that God will meet you in that place, Mm. which also takes a Mm. lot of faith. It takes a lot of faith that if I'm going to walk into this, that God will be Mm. there and not leave me all by myself. Um, So I think Sabbath can also be a time of healing. Um, One of the things that's interesting to notice in the scriptures in the New Testament is that Jesus often healed on the Sabbath, which, you know, the Mm. Pharisees, yeah, the Pharisees hated it when he did that because he thought, they thought that he was violating the Sabbath. I think what was going on there is that Jesus was actually entering into the deeper, one of the more deep experiences and meanings of the Mm -hmm. Sabbath is that Sabbath is a day for healing. It's a, it's a day for meeting Jesus in a way that would be healing Mm -hmm. for us. And so Sabbath sometimes is a day that where we might experience healing from having been gentle and tender and attentive Mm -hmm. with the part of us that's hurting. And so that in and of itself makes you a different person as you come Mm -hmm. into your life Mm -hmm. also.
0: Yeah, I'm so glad you brought that up. Mm -hmm. I have experienced some Mm -hmm. of that discomfort. Yeah, um, when everything gets stripped away, and you really just can't do all the numbing behaviors. That's right. um, Mm -hmm. That we normally do to Mm -hmm. distract ourselves, and you just have to face it. But healing has come by staring the pain in the face and by moving through it,
1: or just resting. You know, resting from all of your attempts to keep it. Outside your awareness, because yeah. we don't, many of us don't know how exhausted we are from trying mm. to keep the hard stuff outside of our awareness or how, you know, managing it or keeping mm. it tamped down. Mm. So even the ability to shed the tears and to be with God, it, it rests us in some really, really deep mm. place. Mm. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, thank you for sharing all of that. You know, I know that you end your book with this beautiful epilogue of being saved by rest. Mm -hmm. So do you have a closing Mm -hmm. word for us just kind of around that? I do. (laughs)
1: Yeah, that was that came right at the end of the book. I didn't know what I was going to do to conclude the book and then I realized that Isaiah 30, which has a very familiar verse in it, in returning and rest you shall be saved and quietness and trust shall be your strength. It's a great verse taken out of context. Yes. <laughs> but it's an even better verse in context because all of Isaiah 30 is actually about the Israelites and all the ways that they've run from God and God's rest. And the the reasons that they give for running, the reasons that God identifies are all the reasons we experience today. There's a wonderful quote from Jewish tradition that says that, the Jews don't they have not kept the Sabbath. The Sabbath has kept them. Mm-hmm. And that is my experience that I do my best to keep the Sabbath. And sometimes I do well and sometimes I don't. But the Sabbath has kept me. Mm-hmm. Um, because in returning and rest, we will be saved. What will we be saved from? You know, we'll be saved from life in our culture that just drives us through performance. We'll be saved from our own, um, inner drivenness and achievement oriented pace. Um, we'll be saved from, um, relying on ourselves so much because the Sabbath teaches us how to trust in God for our sustenance mm-hmm. and for our mm-hmm. survival. There is so we're, we'll be saved from making poor decisions because Isaiah 30 also contains the wonderful verse about your teacher. You'll hear a voice behind you. Your teacher saying, this is the way, walk in it. You know, that somehow along the way on the Sabbath, God begins to speak to us about our lives and how to reenter our lives in a wiser way. And so um, Isaiah 30, I just work right on through Isaiah 30 and all the different ways that the Israelites ran from God's rest, all the ways rerun from God's rest, and then bringing us back to the promise that God's rest will save us. Mm-hmm. In returning and rest, you will be saved. In quietness and trust, which is the tone of Sabbath.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: We're coming back to a place of quietness and trust that God will provide um, and it saves us. And so um, I I tell you, it for me, it is an absolute truth that the Sabbath is the practice that makes me fall in love with God all over again every single week. Mm-hmm. Honestly, like I fall in love with God on the Sabbath again in a fresh new way because the gift is so beautiful. How could you not love a God who would give you all this? Uh-huh. How could you not love a God who would give you this gift? So, so good. Yeah. That is that's a great, great mm-hmm. encouragement and exhortation. Yeah. So thank I you. I hope so for that. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: well friends, I have two encouragements for you. First is to go listen to the companion podcast because we did a lectio scripture meditation on Hebrews 4, and Ruth touched on that in our conversation. Uh, while the promise of entering his rest is still open, let us take care that none of you should seem to have failed to reach it. And it's just this beautiful promise. So I want you to meditate on that. The other thing I would love for you to do is grab Ruth's book because we scratched the surface of what she dives into in her book. And it is just beautiful as all of your books are, Ruth. And so I want to encourage you. The publisher has been really gracious. They have given us a 30% off discount. That'll be in the show notes. There's free shipping and 30% off. Um, from InterVarsity Press. So take advantage of that. And also there is going to be a giveaway for your book as well. So I'm
1: excited to get that into your hands. Could I also mention um the podcast, Strengthening the Soul of Your Leadership? Yes. Um, because we've just completed a whole season on the book and ended up with so many more voices than we expected. Um, beautiful, beautiful voices about Sabbath and and how different ones practice. And so um, you know, it's It might also, you know, just take us further, further into this practice.
0: I cannot recommend that enough. In fact, I listened to one of them this morning, Power of Unplugging. Yeah. And that was just so fascinating. It's so, yeah, it is. It goes even a little deeper. It's a definite compliment to the book. So uh, all of those are great resources. Thank you for doing Mm. this really deep um, soul level work for us to encourage us as followers of Jesus to live a different way. We need it. We need all the encouragement as brothers and sisters pointing each other. No, there's something better. So let's, let's try this together. So thank you
1: for doing that.
0: Oh, you're welcome. Thanks for a great conversation. Well, friends, I also just want to thank you again for joining Ruth and I on so much more because we really do believe Jesus has so much more to say to us and we are creating space to listen.